Hey there, welcome to episode 10 of the Boob Report podcast, powered by Helix Interactive. Today I'm hanging out with Ariana, I'm not even going to try and pronounce her last name, an embodied leadership coach. Ariana loves to think outside the box, challenge outdated paradigms, and create new strategies to achieve amazing results. Let's get started. All right. Welcome, Ariana. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the Boob Report podcast. We truly appreciate it. Very excited to have you here. Oh, I am so excited to be here, Michelle. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really look forward to our conversation and yeah, we got we got lots to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> we really do. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, diving in as little or as much as you want about your breast cancer journey. Okay, great. Um, well, I am a wellness leadership coach, a mother of three and a rancher and a professional equestrian. So I have spent most of my, I was I'm a zoologist as well. So I've spent most of my life um, immersed in the natural world and bringing leaders and people who are going through change and transition into um, a more natural setting for their own healing. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for 30 years and I've worked with thousands of people from all walks of life um, and a predominantly women. And um, so I'm well-versed in you know, just emotional changes, transformation, transitions, changes. And, you know, in in 2014, I got, well, I actually got diagnosed with breast cancer the first time in 2009. Mm -hmm. And it was about three years after a a very significant divorce um, in a marriage of 19 years, where I think I accumulated a lot of emotional trauma over a long period of time. Mm And I had felt before then, like ever since I started getting my mammograms at the age of 40, I was always sort of on a cancer watch. You know, I had atypical lobular hyperplasia with which some people might identify with. And, and so it was always like, I was getting mammograms every six months. And before my, you know, before 2006, when the divorce started, I just really felt like I was being chased by something. And I actually was writing poems about, um, where I live is one of the highest breast cancer rates in the country. So I was intuitively already like intuiting this, this pending time. And in 2009, I, I had, uh, it was like my first breast cancer. So it was, you know, lobular and ductal carcinoma in situ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a number of surgeries um, with, with, with ending up, you know, the, you have the needle biopsy and then the surgery biopsy, and then you end up with the other, you know, the, so it was a partial mastectomy didn't, it was really early. So I didn't need to do anything else. Um, but that was a wake up call. It was really scary. And I, you know, really didn't want to lose my breasts at that time. Cause I would love my, my, my boobs. Yeah, <laughs> and <it doesn't>, so- <laughs> right? I know I got my, it was on, I was diagnosed on my left side and I was like, really, that's my favorite boob. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. And so even just the whole, how that went down is a whole story in itself, um, which um, in terms of not being really taken care of um, in terms of being informed. And so I really started right away. Like I need to um, be responsible for my own health. Mm -hmm. And my father's a physician who always has told me that. And so um, I just got myself really educated. I've already was eating organic ever since, you know, I started having my kids 
uh, which I thought I was eating organic, but an- honestly, there was a lot of things that I wasn't eating that were organic in hindsight, but, um, and I was healthy, but I was also on this huge stress, stress wagon, um, after the divorce, like I had this ranch, I had my own business. I was still raising my kids. I was trying to, um, you know, get money in and just go, go, go. And I, I, uh, started a cafe with my daughter in town because my, my, leadership business was at that time, largely international, um, with people coming for three weeks at a time, maybe a week to three weeks, um, in a group setting to study, which is also very intense. And, but I wanted to be part of my local economy and help my daughter. So we started this cafe and, um, you know, I was just go, go, go. And then I met my future husband and, um, we started a, a wool mill in town with because we had sheep. And so here I am running a ranch, my leadership business, you know, still got some kids at home, a cafe and another like retail uh, wool production business. Mm-hmm. And the month after I got married, um, I got diagnosed with cancer for a second time. Oh. And I was actually in my my horse, my equine program, you know, we're just all just like opening ourselves up and just getting rid of all this old trauma. Mm -hmm. And I really thought I had been, I mean, I'd been already removing ancestral trauma and all these things for like, you know, for over 20 years. And I just remember it was six o'clock in the evening and I got the call from the surgeon and she said, you know, you could just hear her voice. And it was like, you have um, lobular carcinoma. Um, It was invasive lobular carcinoma. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me so hard. And, um, I just went out in the field and laid down and just at first I was mad and I was angry and I was crying. And then I was like, Oh no, Oh no, no, this yeah. is not okay. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. So I ended up, you know, having, um, another surgery with a lumpectomy. So I do still kind of have my, my breasts, but, um, and then I had radiation and that, the combination of the different surgeries that it takes to get the diagnosis. And then the radiation just knocked me out, Michelle. It just took me, took me down. And, um, you know, I remember somebody said, well, you know, it's going to take you the first person I went to see was sort of an alternative said, um, you know, it's going to take you three years to heal from this. And I thought, no, no way. Not me. Like I'm, you know, I can do anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of thing. Like, um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, but over time I was like, okay. And I, I remember my first book I read was a Dave, was it David Shapiro's anti-cancer? And it was really about, there's three things, you know, there's your diet, your exercise and your lifestyle. Uh And I had, I had fallen off my diet being in the cafe. I was eating wheat, which I'm actually allergic to because our specialty was homemade bread. Um, that's another long story, how we got there, but, (laughs) um, um, and just, you know, food that the leftovers that people didn't want. So I was really out of my diet at at that point. So obviously I knew how to fix that. That's easy. Um, but I knew that lifestyle was going to be my most challenging thing. And cause I knew I was a, I was addicted to stress Yeah, you know, because <laughs> I am good at stress. I love like, you know, I love it when it's like so intense and like, 
you know, and then you got it. And then you, at the end, you solve it, you know, you solve the problem and you're like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, wow, Ariana, you know, you got to change that. And I knew I had no idea mm-hmm. how to do that. So yeah. that was the beginning of my most significant healing journey. And, um, you know, there was just all kinds of different things that I, I, I learned about. And I got really involved in the plant medicine world too. Like I'm, I'm fortunate that I live in a very natural setting Mm -hmm. and, um, again, just diving, like I literally would spend almost three hours a day studying, researching plants, breast cancer, um, you know, and, and really like research, like not just the first fad, but if, if I could see research that was consistently showing that these particular herbs were really good, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, like it was interesting because I would look up the breastcancer.org and they would say things that were like, lamb is bad for you. Well, another one would say, well, lamb is good for you because it has anti-breast cancer um, pieces in it. And we have sheep, you know, so things like that. Um, lots of books. And, and then I, interestingly enough, I had started journaling after the, you know, as I was going through this divorce um, to try to understand what was happening and how did I get there? And I've been writing this journal for like 14 years. Um, and it's done. It's done. Is it the final editor? Of course, you always say that, right? Ah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but it was it, through the process of journaling was the most, um, was a huge profound healing for me to slowly, little by little, be able to go back and see what you know, I'm a very, in in the front, I'm a very successful person. I'm a very powerful woman. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was really acquiescing a big part of who I am. I call it my spirit self Yeah, and letting people, um, take my power away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, that was a big piece of, I uncovering that in my journal and, um, you know, coinciding with this other piece. That's one of the significant pieces that I've really learned that I really want to share is that the, the, the importance of self-love. Yes. Because that was the thing that I so didn't want to do. Like I had a good friend who was actually interestingly my sheep shear, but he was also like had a, a, a coach cause he'd healed himself from Lyme's disease. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I talked to him right away. Um, and he just, the first thing he says is, you know, Ariana, you need to love yourself. And I just was so mad. I was like, no way. I know that he's right. And I, that's the one thing I don't want to do. Can you relate to that? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and, yeah. I mean, as women, we are, I don't know if it's innate or how you're raised or society or whatever combination of all that is that you're supposed to be taking care of other people. You're supposed to be loving other people. You know, for some reason we put ourselves last. So I know exactly, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So that was huge. And so I, 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 I created a lot of practices for myself. Um, what I call somatic practices, because that's part of what I do professionally is that I know that it's not enough to just change your mind and just try to tell yourself, you love yourself, that you actually have to retrain your body because mm-hmm. our body holds all of our experience and history, you know, without before thought. Right. And, 
And so I created practices for myself to trick, um, to trick my mind so that my body could recondition, um, that response. And, you know, so there was sort of the, you know, the mantra of, you know, I love, I love you. I love myself or whatever, but it was like, I would put a smile on my face and say it to myself. And at first it felt kind of phony, but after a while, and I would walk in nature when I was doing it. And that made a huge difference. Um, Cause it can start with like, I love you tree. Um, I started really thanking my body. Like I really started to see how much I've thrown my body at my life and how hard I've used my body mm-hmm. and no wonder, you know, right. um, that, you know, it's like, if you're not listening to your spirit self, that your original self, and, or if you're squashing that part of yourself to, and you're performing or for everybody else or taking care of everybody else. And which is, like you said, that's what we know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then if you're not listening and to that inner core self, you're, your body, the organs and other things will start to break down. And when I got the breast cancer for the second time, I was like, this is, I'm just, I'm just a mirror of mother earth, Mm -hmm. like mother earth, basically we could say, you know, has breast cancer, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you don't take care of the vessel, you know, of where you are, it is amazing the damage it can do to not only, you know, physically, but mentally as well. I, you know, you're so right on that. Well, you and I talked about, um, talked about this in a, in a previous conversation and this really, uh, hit home for me is that a lot of us use stress as a badge of honor. Yeah. That we're not, we don't feel like we're successful enough unless we're stressed out. And I, that hit home for me big time because I remember before I was diagnosed, I was going 12, 14 hour days, networking, running my marketing business, doing this, doing that, coming home, collapsing into bed, not being physically present, you know, for my husband or our son and daughter. And, you know, just living this life full of stress and then trying to make my home perfect because um, a lot of people, you know, know this. I'm bonus mom. I'm stepmom. So (laughs) whenever the kids would come back over, I knew when they weren't with us that things weren't exactly great where, you know, and so when they came back, I tried to make things as perfect as possible for them, which just made it more stressful that for them and made it more stressful for me. And it was just ridiculous. And being able to go through this journey and talk to, you know, my daughter now, especially, it, it just, um, it was eye opening. I, I kind of look at the cancer as um, a wake up call. You know, it was like, come on, you idiot. What are you doing? You know, stop trying to do so much and just stop and smell the roses, if you will. Absolutely. Like one of the first books I picked up the second time I went to an herb store, um, you know, because we we have access to all the traditional stuff. Right. It's all there. Um, They wanted to put me on tamoxifen. I was like, you know, and they showed me all the statistics and 10 percent of 10 percent. And I'm like, I'm a scientist. So I'm like, that doesn't really seem like. No, I'm going to try it another way first. Anyway, so so it goes herb start. So the first book I picked up was Susan Weed's book. Um, what's it called? Breast cancer, breast health. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up, 
And the first thing it said is, what if I told you that having cancer is absolutely what's right? You know, because if what's the first thing you think of that you're going to have to give up? Mm-hmm. And and I immediately was the first thing I have to give up is how hard I'm working. Mm-hmm. And this piece of about just being so doing so many things and being so busy. And she said, and that's why this is absolutely what's right for you. And she goes, I know you're probably not going to like what I'm saying. Right. And it was, it was true. Um, but I knew she was right. And, and that, that again, that same confirmation, the lifestyle changes and, and, you know, I gave myself permission to learn how to do this. I knew I didn't know how to do it. I knew how to do stress. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to delink from stress. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to give myself some time to figure this out and learning what the, what's, what are the precursors that are happening before I get into stress? So, you know, being a zoologist and the, doing the work that I do, I, it's so funny. It's like right in my face. I always see ourselves as an animal body. And so when we're in stress, our body doesn't know that we think it's cool or we're handling it. It thinks stress is like all these stress hormones and chemicals are going on. It's like your body's thinking it might die any minute. Mm-hmm. And, and so that creates all of these other immune autoimmune things, including the cancers. And so how do we change that? Well, we learn how to listen to the body. And so I could start to feel it took time. Yeah. First you feel like, I feel like, okay, I'm really stressed out now. I'm feeling emotional. I'm feeling like I want to react to something. And then I would just say, okay, stop, you know, take some deep breaths, go outside and take a walk. Mm -hmm. And then I would just forget what I was stressing about. Right. It was that simple really. Cause when you're outside in nature and you're looking at the trees or the flowers or just going in your garden, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just seeing the things being outside, feeling the air um, all of a sudden I wasn't thinking about that anymore, stressed out about that. And then I could come back in and figure out how I wanted to deal with that. Um, and then the self-care piece was huge. Like I spent, I was, I had a very rigorous morning, you know, with, the right foods, preparing the food I wanted for the day, um, the quietness, you know, um, the walk. Um, and I mean, it would take me like almost half a day, mm-hmm. you know, I was like in, in our world of go, go, go. That's right. That's like, <laughs> that's not half a day. <laughs> like what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I don't right? know. It takes me that long to get ready to do something. But anyway, that's, a lesson learned. I just really want to like be able to put that out there for anybody that's going through cancer or even for the people, the loved ones who have somebody going through cancer yeah. that it's really, that's because, I mean, I would feel guilty. Like it looks like I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. when I'm doing my self-care. My husband would be out working and I'd be in the house, like taking care of myself, like felt really guilty about that. But it was like being the mom, it's like, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, if you die, then you're not going to be there for the kids. Right. Exactly. And so yeah. you, you, what you care about is the kids. So you're going to take care of yourself for that. Exactly. Well, and I, and I think that we need to get to the point, um, women and men absolutely need to get to the point that you, you 
allow yourself that time for, you know, self-healing and, you know, a mental break and things like that. I know that over these last five years, my husband and I have talked about it quite a bit and he takes time for himself. You know, he loves to play volleyball. So Friday nights, he goes and plays volleyball with his friends. That's his release. He loves to work on cars and planes. He's very, you know, mechanically inclined. He loves that. That's how he relieves his stress. Mine is, you know, I like to decorate the house. I like to paint a room. I like to go for a hike. You know, you find what works for you and then you need to get to the point to be not apologetic for it, that this is my time, you know, go so far as to schedule that in your calendar so that it is your time exclusively for you. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You you brought that up um, because in my, as I'm coming to the completion of my journal, you know, at the end, so the the journal is, it's called um, the water calls um, one woman's journey to reclaim her dignity and freedom. Mm -hmm. And so a lifetime of, of, you know, fighting for my dignity, you know, and, and um, for that emotional freedom. And so coming to the end of the book. So at the end of the book, finally, I, I set myself free. I'm setting everybody else free. I'm rescuing everybody else my whole life, you know, and, and the reflection in the mirror was, but you're not, you're doing, you're saving me, but you're not saving yourself because the animals, the creatures, and I mean, they're animals, are characters in my book and I'm saving them. And they're always giving me these lessons back to me. And, um, that's the, I do listen to those messages yeah. myself. <laughs> um, so, you know, at the end, so what I've been doing lately in my work, even at, when I am working with, um, women in particular, um, is very simple. Uh, it's a very simple statement. I am Ariana. I stand tall without apology. I love that. And I, yeah. And so when I do that, whenever I feel I need to do it mm-hmm. and it, it helps me to stand in my dignity and claim myself and nobody can, nobody can throw me off, you mm-hmm. know, and then that whole piece without apology. So working with groups of women and stuff, or, you know, sometimes over periods of days, we'll, every time we change something, if we go into another room or we walk outside, we say, we make that statement and then we'll, we'll catch each other apologizing for everything. <clears throat> and then we'll, you know, we'll kind of say, Hey, remember we said we weren't going to apologize. And then we all laugh. And then we start saying like, Oh my God, I'm saying sorry all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you have, yeah. You know oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah, no, it's, it's um, I think the one thing that I struggled with big time with my diagnosis and um, eventual need to seek counseling, I'm totally transparent about the the depression that I went through, um, was that in my mind, I had let my husband and my children down. I was a failure for getting breast cancer. Mm -hmm. As ridiculous as that sounds, that's how I felt. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, yeah, the first place I went was what, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. What did I do wrong? Like, I thought I'm doing all these great things. I've made this huge contribution in the world. Why? You know? Yeah. So what's, and then it's like, no, I'm just part of the, the bigger, I'm I'm part of the earth. The earth is and for me anyway, Mm -hmm. is asking me to listen, to pay attention. And how are you going to heal yourself? Right. You know, because this is how others, you know, healing ourselves in relationship to mother earth now. Cause, cause I, I am a wellness coach and leadership coach. Um, and 
I've off, I've seen it for a long time, but I was a kind of afraid to talk about it because, mm-hmm. you know, people might think I'm weird, um, <clears throat> which again is that self-conscious thing where you're walking off your own, you know, line of who you are. And um, again, like your own dignity that I'm just my own unique person. This is, mm-hmm. this is who I am. Um, but I see that when, as we're working and healing with um, each other, other people, I see that the difference between healing ourselves in relation, reciprocal relation with healing the earth. And so as we're healing and we're, you know, inviting and thanking the earth and all of the the resources that the earth provides for us and incorporate that into our healing in a sort of give back way, Mm -hmm. it's really powerful. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, I, we could go on and on about this. I think our, you know, our, our end goal with this is that it's okay to, you know, take the time to just really take care of yourself. Um, no matter what journey you're going through, focusing on yourself and self-care and making sure that mentally and physically you're on the right path for you is, is very important. Men, women, children, you know, we all need to learn that in some way. Yeah. And taking, you know, taking a stand for yourself, your place, and also like, you know, giving yourself time to do some of the deeper emotional work, Mm -hmm. you know? um, Oh, I highly recommend therapy. I'm still in therapy. (laughs) I love my therapist. She (laughs) it's, you know, it's awesome to have a great support group and have friends. And my husband is awesome, but I, you know, my therapist, there's just that relationship there that I can be so open and honest, you know, with her, it's, um, it, it has yeah. been a lifesaver for me. Cause it's, it's really different. And I think that's part of why I really love that you're doing this podcast is that, um, you know, when I was diagnosed with the breast cancer, both times, I, I remember thinking, I'm not going to hide this. I'm going to talk about it. People, yeah. how are you? Well, guess what? I'm going, whatever, you know? Um, and there were other women in my community who had, didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started talking about it, they go like, Oh, I had breast cancer. And I'm like, you did. Yeah. And like, I had breast cancer 20 years ago. Like, like I said, we live in a region of a lot of breast cancer. Uh-huh. And then I didn't realize how many women had had it. And then there was immediate sort of recognition from another person who had had breast cancer in particular, mm-hmm. And of course, for my children, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to act all strong, like I'm fine, you know, because there is like, and I did see like some friends sort of fade away, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, well, she's going to die. So I might as well not invest in that friendship anymore. And, um, and other people who were bringing me chicken soup. And so that was fascinating to see who, 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 who were really my friends Yeah, And I remember, you know, um, when I was hosting a leadership conference and one of the women um, had another person take her, be, be the speaker because she was recovering from breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And this is in between my cancers. And I remember thinking, gosh, that's going to be really sad if she passes away. Like she's Mm -hmm. got so much influence and, and then she's still here to this day. So like, why was I assuming, you know, that's why when I got my second cancer, I was like, oh, that's why some people are pulling away. Cause they, maybe they just think I better not be invested mm-hmm. um, in that. And so, 
That's something. Know. Yeah. That to go on that point, you and I talked about this and I found it fascinating in uh, a great segue is there, there are groups of people that pull away versus dive in wholeheartedly. Yeah. And it's when, when they find out a, a person, a friend, a loved one, a significant other is diagnosed with breast cancer or some, you know, life altering um, diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, my husband's quite a bit younger than I have. And that, that doesn't, that's irrelevant. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk to him about my fears and my anxieties. And so finding somebody that I could talk to about that. And um, yeah, one of my best friends has really nasty um, recurrent breast cancer and she's a single mom uh, mm-hmm. the, of, of a, was a 10 year old now 14 and father died, you know, in a tragic um, accident and she's fighting for her life, but we talk all the time mm-hmm. because and she can be as raw as she needs to be, you know, because some of her friends are like, well, God, you sure have changed. You're being a little too direct or you're not being nice. That was significant for me. Like I'll, I'll share this little story. I don't know if I shared it with you before, but um, I was going to my middle daughter's wedding. We were all going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex was there. We were all going to be staying there for like four days. So we're all kind of in each other's face. Um, he was with, a person who I really, really don't like, and I don't trust for long stories. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, I'll just have to deal with her at the wedding. Well, no, to deal with her at the airport. Um, we had to drive in the same car together. We we had to go everywhere together and every meal. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's wedding, my daughter's wedding, mm-hmm. put on a smiley face. And I'm you know, just trying to work. It just brought up a lot of this past trauma with my ex. Right. And so at one point, my, my, one of my kids said, we were walking and I think it was a couple and they were all talking and they said, mom, can't you just like pretend and be nice? And I just, wow. yeah, it hit me. He's even hitting me now. And I, mm-hmm. I just took a deep breath and I said, you know, thank you for saying that, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you something I've learned from having breast cancer is if I'm just nice like that and pretend that this person hasn't really hurt me then I'm betraying myself. Mm-hmm. I'm disrespecting myself. And it's one thing I've learned from breast cancer. I will not do that anymore. Right. I'm not going to make somebody else not feel uncomfortable because whatever. And so I said, I will, you know, as long as she doesn't try to talk to me and look at me, everything will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm just, I'll have my own boundaries with it. I'm not going to put out a bad vibe, but I'm not going to smile and pretend that she's okay in my yeah. life. Period. Yeah. So, and that was cool. It was just well-stated, wasn't dramatic, you know, wasn't emotionally reactive, but they could feel my stand. That's something I've really learned. And that's my friend and like the other friends that I have that have gone through the cancer. Um, so this, it is neat to to have friends that you can talk to mm-hmm. uh, that have been through it, you know, um, because we understand in a different way. Right. Well, I think that, you know, again, and I've said this over and over again, every woman's journey is different. Everything that they experience, we're all unique in our own way. You know, we literally are, um, this word has just been overused so much. We are snowflakes. We're all totally and absolutely different. You know, I experience pain in a different way than you do. You know, I see things emotionally different than another woman does. 
And I think recognizing that and being able to be self-aware, because when you're in the medical field, you know, uh, doctors are like, well, you know, normally people, when we put the IV in with the medication, you're going to feel it burning right away. Well, I didn't feel that, you know, mm-hmm. they were doing the anesthesia or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm not feeling that. No, I'm just different. I didn't feel the pain until it was further up in my arm. You know, that's just how it is. So I think that rather than generalizing, approaching things, you know, from a friend basis or anything like that is typically this is what we've seen. It's not, you know, to say that you're going to experience the same thing, but here's what's happened to other patients we've worked with, or here's what's happened to other people I've worked with. And I think being able to be open and communicate like that is going to be hugely beneficial to everyone. I I totally agree. I think that's really important. And it's really, you know, about just the value of being a listener, Mm -hmm. you know, not trying to fix um, things. And that's the other thing is, um, because that was the other thing is, you know, again, being kind of an animal body, our body knows like it's life is at stake. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed that when I was going through my first year of healing, that my brain wasn't super functional, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it didn't really want to think about things. It didn't really want to make business happen. Right. And I know that from my, my, the work I do, that that's the animal instinct is not important right now to think about these things, just focus on healing the body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there was, um, I wanted to, so anyway, that just the listening and being able to be there for somebody and not the fixing thing. And I have a, a quick little story about that. It was in, again, in between my the two cancers, I was, I was teaching a program. It was just a one day leadership with the horses program. Mm-hmm. And, um, a woman just, you know, the, everybody has a certain, their turn to kind of have a one-on-one session where they can kind of just really look at something that is challenging in their life. And so this woman just stepped up and out of the blue was like, yeah, I have um, really, you know, like stage three or stage four breast cancer. I'm the mother of three. She's in her early thirties. And, you know, you could just feel everybody's stomach just drop. Right. And there was a lot of new observers. And so a lot of people that don't know how to listen and don't know how to like how to share (laughs) how they feel (laughs) yet. And so I'm kind of like trying to hold the space of protector. And I just, I kept hearing her and I finally heard like, maybe she didn't want, she says, you know, everybody, my, my husband, my family, everybody wants me to do the next surgery, the next, this, the next, that. And I could, I couldn't feel it in her. Mm -hmm. She wanted to do it. And I said, you know, I'm here for you no matter what. If you don't, if you feel like you're ready to move on and that's okay with me. I'm just here to support you in your stand. Like, how do you want to hold your time now? And she was just broken to tears. She was so relieved just to have somebody listen and not try to fix her. Right. The next healing thing. Mm -hmm. Again, that's just more pressure. That's like another work stress thing you have to do and not even. So there was so much pressure on all of her from her family to like, fix, 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 fix. Like she could never just really feel, feel, feel. Right. You know? And, and so that was huge for her. And she actually ended up going on and fighting for herself for, for many more years. So. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I, again, it comes back to, you know, just being a personal journey that it has to be the person's decision on how they want to move forward. And if they don't, so, well, just to wrap things up a little bit, I am absolutely honored and blessed to have you on today because I think we covered quite a bit of very important topics for people and uh, just a whole new perspective to look at. And I am, I'm so grateful that I'm able to do this podcast because like I said, that if I can help one person, I'm so happy about that. If I can help many, that's even better. But just letting that one woman know that it's okay, what she's dealing with and what she's going through is hugely important to me. And I am incredibly grateful to you, Ariana, for joining us today so that we could really dive into this self-help and and uh, talk about the stress aspect of everything. Well, I just want to thank you. I mean, I've got butterflies in my stomach because I just I just feel so, I mean, I'm almost going to cry because I feel so happy that what you're doing to, to help women, you know, to have a resource out there Um, and different options, like you said, you know, like, um, and that you're not alone. Yeah, you're not, you're not, it may not be a family member. It may not be a significant other, but there is always someone there that can help you and will be with you through all of it. And that's, that's what the boob report is all about. And eventually I'll be across the country and that'll be awesome so that I can help women in every state. That's my goal, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Well, anyway, I can support you. Um, you're doing such a great piece for all of us. Oh, I so appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Thank you again for joining us and, uh, we will see you guys soon on the next episode of the boob report podcast. Okay. Such an amazing time with Ariana. We have links and information where you can learn more about her and her work on our website and possibly how to pronounce her last name correctly at www.theboobreport.com slash podcast episode 10 show notes. And a very big thank you to all of you for spending time with us today. Be sure to like and follow us and definitely share the podcast with your friends. You can become an active listener and support this podcast by clicking on the podcast link on our website at theboobreport.com. Take care.